morning. How are we? Didn't you fancy running the potters off this morning? Thought you'd have been out there. It was funny watching some people turn up this morning. You know, they were walking along the road. It's like they'd done half of the potters half and they were coming in for a break. Um, but if you're listening on line, welcome. It's good that you're joining us. Um, yeah, we're speaking this month about chain breaking. But I'm actually talking about actually binding you up as well. Because actually, it's important that we're bound to some things and not just, you know, floating here, there, and everywhere. Would you agree? Um, so it comes down to the question, really, at the start what does freedom look like for you? Uh, what does freedom look like? Um, we're singing that song at the beginning running into wide open spaces. It sounds a good thing to do. Anybody like running? No, so that for you is not freedom. You know, oh, let's run into wide open spaces. I don't like running, though. Well, it's, you're making me run. You know, it's, it, so it, it's, it's understanding what does freedom look like. What, what does the Bible teach us about freedom when we're talking about freedom? What does Jesus free us up from, you know? Has anybody seen the film Cast Away? If you haven't, just put your hand up if you haven't seen it. Right, if you've not seen it, it's got Tom Hanks in it. And he's a, he, he's a, he works for a delivery company and he's on an aeroplane and he crashes in the sea and he gets marooned on an island on himself. Now, how many of you, if I told you you were going to be on a beach, a beautiful beach, on your own, with no one around, for a long period of time... How good is that sounding after COVID? Is that sounding like a place of freedom for you? For you people, people, you go, no, I want to be with people. But for you people who are a little bit different, we're all different, or or my kids call it weird. I've had to translate that word, by the way. I found out what the original Greek means to it. It means different or new. That's what weird means in this generation, right? In my generation, it meant weird. Odd, peculiar. This generation, it's cool, it's different, it's new. Okay? Anyway, come back. So what does freedom look like? Now, if we look in the Bible and we look at history, freedom has a different um, meaning in different contexts. For, For Tom Hanks, he did not feel free because he wanted to be somewhere else. Now, for someone who wants to be on that beach, you may say, I feel free. Do you see what I say? Because you're, you're not with the things that you don't want to be with, but you're on the beach because you want to be on the beach. So freedom really is not necessarily a place. It's more to do with a state. It's not even an attitude. It's more to do with a state of mind or a perception of something. Now, But really, beyond the thinking, it's more to do with the state of which you are in. And I believe only Jesus can do that and transform us into the state he wants to put us in. Okay? I'll explain that in a minute. So some understanding of what freedom meant in history. In the Greek-Roman, what we call Greco-Roman world, before Jesus and around the time of Jesus, in that world, freedom meant independence. It meant you had enough resource for yourself to be at your own disposal. If you didn't have that resource, you weren't independent, you weren't free. The opposite of that would be a slave. They were reliant and dependent on somebody else. They were codependent. Now, for you today, you might think like that. I have a job, I have resource, I have the ability to be at my own disposal and make decisions. 
I, I get a sense of freedom. I don't have a job. I worry. I don't have food. I don't have finance. I don't feel free. I feel like a slave. I am bound to something. Does that make sense? So it's, it's a state that would have been in the Greco-Roman world. I think that still influences us today. And rightly so in a way. Another way, another sense of freedom is what they would call a freedom within the community. A free community. So in order to be in that community and to be free, you had to abide by their laws and the order of which was ordained by the authorities. If you stepped outside of that law, you would be bound up in some form or treated and outside of the free community. Does that make sense? You could argue we've got a little bit of that today. If you do wrong, then you suffer the punishments of that wrong. You may go to prison. You may feel you're not free because I am in prison and I've stepped outside of the law. I'm not in the free community. You this morning, you could be the free community because you're not in prison. Is this making sense? But it's to do with a state and we've inherited a lot of this. Another one is this especially pre-Jesus and at the time of Jesus, this idea of people's rights, people's freedom to choose. Their rights were removed from them. So they may be in poverty, or they may be like a widow who's lost a husband and has no provision coming into her house, and she's now treated as an outcast. Or it might be, today's society, it might be the color you know, of your skin. You feel that you are not treated the same. And you should be treated the same because people have rights. And you know what? God bangs the drum about that. He banged it in the Old Testament from his prophets and he bangs it today. And it's our responsibility to speak out about that, that people are treated with equal rights. Now, in the Old Testament, you'd hear prophets speaking. So God would say through Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is on me, Isaiah, to preach good news. And he says, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. Why were they captive? Because their rights had been removed from them. They weren't treated right. And God bangs the drum that these people need to be treated right and to be taken out of captivity, out of poverty, and to be looked after. That's God's heart. Does that make sense? So it's a state of freedom. Another one, in, especially in Jesus' day, would have been the oppression of the Roman army. They would have been under a government and it would have been an oppressive way of living. They were forced to do things that they did not want to do. And the Jews believed that God, who should be dictating the way they live their lives, and the Jews, they saw themselves as key in that, in relating to God and bringing in God's kingdom, God's way of living. So for Jesus' time, the people were frustrated because they wanted to deal with these Romans and deal with that rule over their lives. They did not feel free. Is this making sense? I'm trying to give us an understanding of what we think freedom is, what the Bible teaches about freedom, and then we're going to go on, what does that mean for us today? But actually, when Jesus comes and we look at the New Testament, what we see is a different thing that Jesus does to set his people free. It's not necessarily in terms of the Roman authority. It's not necessarily in terms of the the poor, although these things Jesus does want to do and we do want to see. We don't want oppression. We don't want people being the poor. But God does something even greater than all of that in Jesus Christ. So this is what Jesus does. Most of us, we think, God died for my sins. And I'm forgiven. 
because what Jesus did on the cross for me. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. But it's more than that. Jesus didn't just die for your wrong that you did. Jesus died for the, to, to defeat the power of sin and death. That's different. In other words, there is a dominion over this world because of man's rejection of God and rebellion that sin has entered and now death is over it. And Jesus broke in to take back the power that that had over people's lives. No one else could do it. Only Jesus Christ. Do you see that we're getting into the state of an individual and what God wants to do in people's lives. No one can break the power of sin and death but God himself. So when we're talking the New Testament, we're talking about Jesus Christ coming into this world to break the dominion over people's lives of sin and death. Now, what does that mean? It means there is a power that holds you that you cannot get away from. And it dictates to you how you live your life. It dictates the future of your life, but your future has no hope. Because you are bound to the consequences of sin. I have no future. I have no hope. But Jesus comes to break that power off your life. So that now you can see you were once bound by a force that you don't need to be bound to anymore. So it's not just, oh, I'm forgiven, my conscience feels good. No, there is a power that's been broken off your life that only Jesus can do. Is this making sense? So I can be on an island in the middle of nowhere and feel bound. Or I can be on an island in the middle of nowhere and feel free. Because the state of which I am in relation to God... So Paul, the apostle, was in a prison and he could have sat there and sulked and moaned and complained of the abuse and what had gone on and no one understands my life and what happened to me. I shouldn't be like this because I've connected with God now. No, what does he do? He flipping rejoices. He begins to praise God, the God who is caused freedom in his life. He's not bound to sin anymore. He's not bound to the limitations of his circumstances. He begins to focus on God and praise him. And what happens is prison doors open and he walks out. He gets out. Because God is not limited by circumstances. God has power over those things. So Jesus Christ came into the world. It says this, Colossians 1:13, "For He rescued us from the domain of darkness." Wow. What about forgiveness? Of, I thought he forgive me. Yeah, he did. But he rescued us from the domain of darkness. No hope, no light, no future. But now, Jesus has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son. Wow. So now you're transferred when you put yourself in Jesus because what Jesus did for you, not what you do, what Jesus did. And by the way, I'm getting a bit controversial here. I used to think this, oh, it's my faith that's made me right with God. It's by faith that I'm made right with God. No, it's wrong, Paul. It's his faithfulness that makes me right. It's my response to his faithfulness, but it's not my faith that makes me right. It's his faithfulness that makes me right, and I'm responding with my faith into his faithfulness. Do you see the difference? Because what happens is we get into what's called legalism and law, that it's by, we're almost edging into works, and we call it faith. Oh, it's my faith, that, it's my faith, it's my prayer that does this. No, it's the faithfulness of God that does it. Because otherwise you start to turn it on yourself. Oh, I haven't prayed enough. I haven't done enough. I haven't... No, no, no. It's the faithfulness of God. 
Is this making sense? That's where you'll find freedom when you nail yourself to the cross and realize it's only him can resurrect the dead, not you. That's the difference. So he has transferred us into his beloved son. Here we go. In whom we have redemption. And it's here, the forgiveness of sins. So yes, we're forgiven, but you are transferred out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son. And by the way, God loves the Son. God loves the Son. Does God love us? Mm, mm. God loves the Son. Now if you're in the Son, He loves you. He doesn't love you because what you did. No, no, no. He loves us because we're in the sun. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not my righteous acts that make me right with God and redeemed. It's the blood of the sun that makes me right with the Father. So don't get into, oh, God loves me because of what I... No, no, no. God loves me because of the sun. I worship Jesus, not myself. I'm loving God because of Jesus Christ died for me. See what I'm saying? That is a different way of thinking. That frees you up from your legality of what you do. You just worship Jesus with all your heart. Sorry, I'm shaking a few things this morning. I'm not saying your faith doesn't make you right with God. But I'm saying it's his faithfulness. And our response, the faith he's given us, we use to respond to what? It's all grace. It's his gift of faith. And it's his faithfulness that we receive and we stand in and give glory to God. So I just want to talk about God a little bit to understand, because we're made in the image of God, and if we can understand a little bit about us, that's theology. So the first point I want to say is this. God is free to choose. Yeah, it's obvious, isn't it? God is free to choose. You know, when God made the world, there was nobody whispering in his ear, maybe just existing on yourself, God, isn't enough. Maybe, God, you need to make something weird. Right? That would be one of my kids. God, make something weird. That means make something new and different, right? There's no one whispering in God's ear telling him what to do. God chose to make the world and make you. No one whispered in God's ear when Adam messed up. God chose to stick with him and come up with a plan of redemption. Nobody made him. God's free to choose. Would you agree with me this morning? And this is what God wants us to understand, is that we are free to choose. Nobody has to whisper in your ear to tell you what to do. You are free to choose what you do. Not your past, not your sin, but you are free to choose what God wants you to do. Now, it's your choice whether you choose to align yourself up with what God wants you to do. Exodus 33 says this, it's verse 19, and it's God talking to Moses. And he says, and he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Notice how he says goodness first before his name. He doesn't give knowledge first, but goodness first. You need to understand God first in his goodness before you try and put a label to his name. It's about his heart and understanding him. It says that I will be gracious to whom I choose to be gracious to. And I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. In other words, God chooses what he does. We can't make God choose 
God chooses, which is a good thing. Because if we showed compassion on the world, it wouldn't be the same as what God showed on the world. If it was my mercy, it wouldn't be the same because it would be conditional. Does that make sense? But it's a good job God chooses because God is far greater than any of us in this world. So my first point is this, God is free to choose. Do you know this morning that you are free to choose? You have freedom to choose. No one else. You. God has designed you in his image so that you can use your brain, you can think what you think, and you can choose to think what you think and choose to do what you do. No one else. Now, we need wisdom, we need guidance, we need God's word in our lives, we need those parameters, I'm going to look at that in a minute, but first and foremost, God is free to choose, so are you. My second point is this, to understand God. God is free to be bound. (laughs) I've just put God in a box. Can we put God in a box? Put your hands up if you think we can put God in a box. No one. Well, I've just put him in a box. I've just said God is free to be bound. It's a good job he is bound. Because otherwise we'd have, we wouldn't know who to trust, who am I on. But because he's bound, that's a good thing. Now, I'm not saying you can put God in a box. But I am saying you can put God in a box. Why can we put God in a box? The reason we can put God in a box is this. is because, number one, God is faithful to his word. Are you sure? I'm pretty confident that God is confident to his word. Would you agree with me? So box number one, God is not going to go outside of his word. Would you agree? So can we put God in a box? Can we? I've just put him in one. I've just put him in the parameters of his word. He's not going to move outside of his word. Anybody agreeing with this or not? So if God says something, I won't do it. No, as soon as God says, I'm going to deliver something... I'm going to deliver it. Who shops with Amazon? Anybody in here not shop online, not shop with... You're kicking against the system. I am not. I refuse to have a phone. I refuse to use Amazon. I'd rather use all my petrol in this day and age and shop around every shop so I can get whatever I want, however I want to get it. <laughs> anybody shopping? Anybody not shopping Amazon? Amazon? One person, but your wife does. Yes, yes, that's fine. You, you, you're one, okay? If you're not sure what she does, ask her. I know you don't click buttons, but she'll tell you what it's about. I get it, right? Look, the point is this. When you look at that product online and you click that button, you expect that button to be delivered, that, that product to be delivered. How confident are you? Now, why are you confident? Generally, because, let's say it's your first time, you've never done the Amazon world. Oh, it's scary. Oh, I've got to go online. There might be frauds. Might be frauds, right? There might, there might be, you know, there's problems. That, and I'm going to go on. So, what do you do? You go and you read a review. Reviews. That smell when it arrived. Oh, not that one. This one. And you go through the reviews. 
good, 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 five star, five star, five star, five star. You read in the reviews, you're reading the testimonies of people that say faithful, 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 faithful. And so then you go, I choose. Boom, you have the freedom to choose. That this parcel from Amazon is going to arrive in my house because this company has integrity. I trust them. I've read the testimonies. I've heard the words they say. I'm going to believe it. Got it? God's a little bit greater than Amazon. He's a a little bit better at delivering his words. I mean, his five stars are going to be five star, five star. There's there's no no 4.5s or 4.8s someone's feeling bad on the day. Because they didn't get it the way it got, it got put over the gate. It didn't come the way they wanted. They didn't wait for me. It got wet. Well, it might not be delivered in the way you want it, but it'll be delivered. It might not come out you want it, but it'll come. It might not arrive at the time you want it, because I was in and I got to go out and I got to do my shopping. Why didn't God deliver me then? Why didn't God turn up then? Because maybe He's dealing with your attitude and your patience. I don't know. Maybe there's something bubbling up He wants to. Bring to the surface. And you say, did he get there? Yeah, he got there. Where was it? It was in the dog basket. I didn't want it in the dog basket. Yeah, but that's how it arrived. God is faithful to his word. He is so committed. He is so bound to his word. He is inseparable from it. Why? Why is he inseparable? Right, number one is this. Because God, let me get this right. Okay? God acts according to his all-encompassing faithful love. Have you got that? So God's character is love. And it is a faithful love. And it is his character. And he cannot change who he is. And he cannot be anybody else. So he has to be himself and fulfill that that he says, because that's who he is. He is so bound up to himself that he cannot separate himself from himself. You have the Father, you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit. They're inseparable. They all work together to deliver what he said he will deliver. If God says he'll set you free, he'll set you free. If God says the power of the darkness is broken off your life, it's been broken. You just need to have received the parcel. You just need to accept God's word in your life and receive the grace that says, I am free. Are you still with me? Is this okay? And by the way, it's open. No point in having a parcel and not opening it. That would be stupid. It's no good listening to the word of God and not opening your heart up. It's no good then not doing something with it. Imagine receiving the product and going, oh, it's really good. I'll put it on the side at home. What have, you bought, what have you bought that dog basket for? You put it on the side. I'm, I'm just observing it. I don't want to use it. I've got a blinking dog here. You put the dog in it. No, no, no. We'll just leave it on the side. No. Open your heart up to the word of God. Listen to it. And don't just be listeners. Be doers. Apply what it says. Forgive people. Be generous. And what you'll find is this. This will happen. Because this is who God is. You ready? What happens is this. God is... Let me get it right. God is so self-determined and in his determination he self-fulfills. Did you hear that? So God is so determined to love that when he loves, he fulfills himself. Because that's who he is. So what does that mean for us? Well, when you love, you will find fulfillment in who you are because that's who you are in God. Have you got it? 
So you are determined to love. As you love, you will find self-fulfillment because that's who you are in God. As you love, you will be like God and you will find fulfillment in loving. Pretty simple. Would you agree? (laughs) So God is self-determined. And as he acts, it fulfills himself. He becomes the very thing that he promised. He fulfills, he delivers. He cannot do anything else because that's who he is. He's bound to himself. Now, what does this mean? It's good news for us. Because God is bound to who he is, it means he will only be who he is. It means we can trust him because we know what kind of box he's in. We can trust him because we know what he's like and we learn what he's like. We can trust him because, oh, I know who God is. I know who he is. I know who he is. Oh, I'm not sure where God is and what he's doing. Well, look in the box. Go on your Amazon delivery references. This, it says God never fails us. It says God's always with us. It says it's going to arrive at the right time. It says I'm going to, it says, it says, it says, it says, it says. Do I believe it? Do I believe what it says? Oh, where's God? I don't know. He's floating around here, there, ever. No, he's not. He's in the Amazon box. He's in the amazing box. He's not going to move out of who he is. He doesn't change. God says, I'm the God who never changes. Oh. So that means I can trust the guy. That means he's faithful. That means he's going to turn up. That means he's going to provide. That means he's gone before me. That means, that means, that means, that means who he is. That's who he is. God, I apologize for putting you in a box. I know you're not limited. But sometimes we've got to understand our theology of who you are. Because practical living won't help you get out of your world. Only theology will. Because practical living, living won't raise you from the dead. I don't know how many, I don't know how many books you've done on it, but there's no books out there self help raise you from the dead. There's only one person who's got the power to do that, the power over the darkness, the dominion of the darkness. His name is Jesus Christ, and I'm happy to have him in my box because I know what he can do. Because I've read the reviews. I've read when he went to the cross. I've read when he was nailed. I've read when his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. I've read when he rose again. I've read when he spoke to the disciples. I've read when he released the Holy Spirit into my life and empowered me. So I know who he is. I'm believing the reviews. Now, listen to me. I'm not trying to put God in a box. I'm trying to understand how, who he is and how he functions. Because if you know that, you can trust him. Now, Paul... Paul, right? The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he gives a description of what God is like. And he uses this phrase, and this is what I want to focus on at the end, to understand what God is really like. Philippians 2.7, he describes the character of God, the character of Jesus Christ. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus Christ. And he describes his character. And one of the things he says in Philippians 2.7, he says of Jesus Christ, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself. Taking the form of a bond servant. A bond servant. Jesus, God, a servant. God, well, in that culture, servant was not independent. Servant was not a word you'd use for freedom. It would be someone you'd talk about being bound up and stuck under someone else's authority. But Jesus emptied himself and became a bond servant. I want to just look at 
Exodus 21. And this gives us a better understanding of what a bondservant was like. Have we got it? So Exodus 21, 2 to 8, it says this. And so what's happened here, they've come out of captivity. They've come out of slavery, out of Egypt. And that God is walking them into a place of freedom, but they don't always know how to function properly. So he's trying to give them the parameters, the grace to be able to function in the freedom by giving them instructions. So it says this, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he will go free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a mums, she is to go with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to her master and only the man shall go free. Doesn't that sound mean? You imagine being married and then you have to leave your wife and your kids because they belong to the master. Now, to understand this, we've got to understand what this culture was like. The chances are, there could have been really difficult circumstances. There could have been that there was no provision for the family. The man was going to go out, but he had no job, he had no money, he had no resource. So to take his family into that, maybe it wasn't a wise thing to do. Now, I know there's a link with the owner, which is another uh, context. but And then it says this. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free then his master must take him before the judges he will take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl then he will be his servant for life so this is the context for what Paul is talking what Jesus is like so Jesus is like this man who is under the master's house. He is free to go, but he... Cho- and this isn't authorizing people in church to have their ear pierced, by the way. You want ear pierced? No problem. I'm not getting involved. If it's a child, speak to your mum and dad, right? So I'm not, I'm not releasing people to go and get their ear pierced or anywhere else pierced. But what I'm saying is this. Jesus, uh, sorry, the servant would have his ear pierced and it would be a sign that they belong to that household. And it would be done on the doorway over the door and the blood would run down so if anybody questioned who this person was they would say remember that servant belongs to this house that is their sign and the covenant they made is on the door it runs down now this is jesus jesus christ did not have to come into this world he could have done whatever he wanted but he emptied him of himself Like the man who could have gone and lived. He could have partied. He could have done whatever he wanted. But no, he chose to go back into the house. Why? Because of the bride. And we are his bride. You are the bride of Christ if you're in Christ Jesus this morning. And Jesus Christ didn't just have his ear pierced. He had his whole body pierced. And the blood of him ran down for that covenant. It ran over the doorway. It ran over your life that says, these are mine. This is my bride. They are in my house. They are secure. They are safe. They will be provided for. They will be protected. You are free to use. You are free to do whatever you want. Just like that bond servant. But you know what? There's something in me that says, I just want to love Jesus. Why? Because Jesus loved me. And you're here today because Jesus loved you. 
you can do whatever you want, but I know what you're going to do. You're going to love his body. You're going to love his people. You're going to love his children. You're going to love this world who he wants to be in the house. Why? Because the bondservant poured out his blood for you and he's committed to you. And I know you, that you have received Jesus Christ. If you've not, you can receive Jesus Christ today in here. And you can know the love of God. The love of the master. Not an evil master, not an oppressive master, but a good master. You know, the image we get is a father, a loving father. You know, I think Jesus Christ died on that cross. You can argue he died because he loved us. And I agree with that. But I think he died because he loved the father. And he saw the father's heart for you. And he said, I'm free to do whatever I want. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get nailed to that cross. Because I love you, Father. And I want them to know the love of the Father. And I'm going to demonstrate it on this cross for all these people. Now, they can choose that or not. They're free to choose. They can choose to know the heart of the Father as they look at Jesus. You know, there's a part in... um, Let me get it right. There's a part in John 14 where Jesus is with Philip. And Philip's talking to him, and Jesus says, I'm going to be with the Father. And Philip says, show us the Father. He doesn't know who the Father is. And Jesus says, do you not know me? I've been with you that long. You know one of those moments, I've been married to Sarah 19 years. And I'll go in the kitchen, I'll say, do you want a drink? And I'll make a drink, I'll make one, and I'll go back in, and I'll give her a drink, and she'll say, I don't like Vimto. And she'll say to me, how long have we been married? I get it wrong. (laughs) Black currant, sorry. See? Still got it wrong. See, in my mind, Vimto's black currant. That's why I get it wrong. I've got something wrong in my mind. But the point is this. Philip didn't know who the father was. Why? Because he'd not yet shown him. The cross had not yet shown him the heart and the love of the father And secondly, without the Holy Spirit revealing the Father, we'll just see Jesus as a person. But when the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus Christ to us in the love of the Father, it is then that we will say, I'm going to bind my ear to that door to his house because he bound his life to me. I am free to go, but I love him so much that I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. I don't have to, I can choose. But because of his love and how he's bound to me, I'm bound to him forever anyway. So why not love him and love people like he loved me because he's so committed to me and he's not going to change. I can trust him. I'd rather trust and stay in his house than anybody else's house. I'd rather stay under his dominion than try and work in the dominion of this world. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ because he has given it to me. You know, Philip did not know the Father. Jesus said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the sacrifice on the cross, you've seen the extent of my love for my children. You've seen the love on the cross, you've seen my love for his bride, the church. You know, and I want to just give a a shout. We're going to finish now for people to know God this morning. Maybe you need to trust God this morning. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm going to read a scripture. Because sometimes we feel like God, we don't know where he is. We're going through difficulties. 
And the Apostle Paul went through difficulties. But he made a choice. And he says this in Romans. Romans 8, 38 to 39. He's realized something. He's, you know, he's had beatings. He's, he, I mean, brutal punishment towards this person who's a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He calls himself a bondservant. It says this. and He says, I am convinced. I'm convinced. Are you convinced this morning that your Amazon delivery will deliver? Are you convinced that God will deliver? He says, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor power in this present world. And he says this. Will able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to do this this morning with me. Stand with me and make this confession. I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he is so bound to you as a bond servant that he would give his life for you and nothing can separate him from the power of God. Nothing can separate you from his love this morning. There's nothing as powerful as that. If you'll stand with me. Because actually what this does is it frees us up from this world. It frees us up from our past when we just rest in the grace and the love and the abundance of the one who is committed to us. So Jesus, we just come to you this morning. We declare it in our hearts with the faith you've given us. We focus on your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, we pray this morning, we ask that we would be convinced that we would know the love of the Father and rest in that this morning. Father, take us deeper into your love, we pray, that we would know that your love is faithful, it's forever, and we can trust you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So you're free to choose this morning, but I'd encourage you, bind yourself up to some things. Bind yourself up to the truth that God loves you and he's never going to change. Even when we change, God's not going to change. He's going to be forever faithful to you all the days of your life and all eternity because that's who he is. That's the freedom that we find in Christ Jesus. Amen?